Welcome to the Grow People Podcast with Pastor Jason. That's that guy with new spectacles. New, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Apparently, they're hip and cool, so they, I've been told. Who told, who told you that? My 18-year-old son. Okay. Yeah, I mean, All so right. that's, some, that's some cred right there. Yeah, if, yeah. If, you're, if you're not watching this on YouTube, uh, they're more of a clear frame. They are clear. Uh, but they're not smoke like... Smoke is what they're called. Smoke, but yeah. they're not the white clear, the clear, clear frame, no. which I... I'm I'm not a big fan of. Of course, there's people listening that may have those glasses. <laughs> they they look great on you. Oh, they look uh, super <laughs> cool on some people. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just like anything. You, you reach a point to where, I mean, there's certain things I shouldn't wear as a 43 year old dude. And so, <laughs> yeah, you know, clear glasses might be one of those things that 60 year old dudes shouldn't wear. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I don't um, know. I don't know I, who I, writes I, these I, rules. I, I don't know. Yeah. If, if I knew a 60 year old, you know, um, <laughs> but no, but they look great. Thank you. Um, I appreciate okay. that. All right. Well, I'm I'm trying them out. Just got them, and uh, we'll see. I got to preach in them and see if they hold up. Okay. Same so. prescription. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same okay. prescription. I just got them because they're the transition lenses. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you go outside, they get darker. And when we played at the, what? What are you laughing about? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> go ahead. Continue. <laughs> when we played golf at the the tournament for Must Ministries a couple weeks ago, I had sunglasses but they're not prescription. Mm -hmm. And so it was one of the reasons why I played so bad Mm -hmm. in golf. That's, that's the reason, not because I stink at it because I couldn't see well. All right. So then I thought, well, I was like, I got to give me some prescription sunglasses. Um, but then I thought, oh, I can just get them with these kind of lenses and I can use them more than just for sunglasses. So we'll so see. So you're going to be the guy that walks into a place. Who's that guy with the sunglasses on? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's not sunny right now today as we're mm. recording this. It's it's cloudy outside. So as of right now, they haven't really darkened up mm. when I've gone outside. So I'm I'm waiting to see because I'm that mm. I'm worried they might be defective. Well, I'm I'm wondering if you did need a new pair of glasses because your old ones seem to be a little loose on you. Yeah. Because during your messages, you you often go to the arms of the glasses and pull them back up. Yeah. Or or is that just a a, a quirk? That's just because my head has gotten fatter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My head has gotten rounder, and I'm sweating more. So. <laughs> well, the, you know how they have the mm-hmm. springs in there in yep. the glasses, and they yeah. spread out. I think my glasses have just given up trying to <laughs> trying to hold it in. <laughs> pulling, pulling back the curtain, uh, speaking of sweating, yeah. uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had a power outage. That's why we didn't have a, a Thursday night gathering. And unbeknownst to us until the weekend, uh, that power outage had knocked out uh, some of our air conditioning units. Yeah. So uh, we were we were limping into Sunday with three and a half of our four auditorium units and um, and it was warm. In it, there. it was it was yeah. warm on stage, and I I had no idea whether you had your sweat rag in the podium like it always is. But I brought one and I had it next to me just <laughs> just in case. And I was going to throw it up like you were Elvis. Yeah, you should have. You should have just waved it. It's like the terrible towel. Just wave it at me. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Grow People podcast is uh, for the purpose of growing people. Growing people. I was wondering. I, I was. I didn't know if we said that. We, so. we didn't. We yeah. we skipped right through it. And I said growing people. Yeah, it's not it. I know. Yeah, growing would be a completely different acronym. It would You'd be. You'd have to come up with something for I-N-G. I-N-G, yeah. Uh, grow is, or, or should we say grows, so it would fit in the wordle. No, let's not, <laughs> let's not go there. Uh, my name's David Stein. I'm the campus pastor at our Canton location, and it is uh, great fun to do this podcast. Last uh, podcast, uh, we hit a 
pretty uh, heavy topic uh, of abortion. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of great feedback on that. Mm-hmm. And one of the consistent pieces of feedback that we received was, thank you for clarifying not only the church's position, but how do we respond to these things as believers? Yeah, And, and it's not that we you know, have a bunch of people that don't know where we stand. It's just, it's always good to reference it yeah. and to explain it. So today we are going to explain something. As, as you may uh, have seen on your Google Calendar, if you use Google Calendar or you walk into any store this month, mm-hmm. uh, it is uh, LGBTQ plus month. Yeah, first day, June 1st. And uh, lots of questions about, hey, not only where did the church stand, but also how do we respond to people uh, as believers? So uh, let's start out with this is a this is a month that it seems to believers as an agenda is being thrown at those who disagree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that uh, that is important to understand because I do think I think agenda is a good word. You know, I mean, the Bible talks a lot about the <clears throat> you know the systems of the world. Mm-hmm. And there's things that we're called to resist, you know, like sin, flesh, the devil, the world. Um, and so there definitely are world systems at play, mm-hmm. you know, and they have been throughout human history. And, and yeah, I, I do think that, I think one of the toughest things for us as Christians is, and this is really in modern day America, is the American, and this is a unique struggle for I think Christians in America, where it's not in other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. For the vast majority, actually, for the majority of Christians, because the majority live outside of the U.S., they understand this culturally in a way that I think it's harder for Americans to understand. Because in most cultures of the world, Christianity is not and has not been the predominant belief system. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been the the kind of the backbone of the moral makeup of the culture to where in America it is. It is, I mean, whether you believe in God or not, you know, the our founding documents, so much of it was influenced by the Bible, was influenced by Christian thought, by, you know, Western, you know, um, they wouldn't have said evangelical back then because mm-hmm. it didn't exist, but definitely Christendom, right. you know. Um, and so for us in America, we have, especially people that are not, uh, that are, you know, maybe older than 20 or what, I don't, you know, what phrase or age there is, but there is this kind of like collective memory we have as Mm -hmm. Americans of how things were. And it's not like they were all good back then. Yeah. Cause there's, again, we have a bad history in America of, uh, like I said a few weeks ago, being on the wrong side of truth, mm-hmm. you know, um, particularly things like slavery and civil rights and different things. Um, but at the same time, there was this kind of agreed upon moral makeup in our country about what marriage was, you know, about human sexuality, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. And so that has definitely shifted. Mm-hmm. It has shifted. And so, and as culture shifts, you know, there's a lot of, there's drivers of culture, just like anything there's innovators or influencers. And there's people who follow along. Cause that's where the, they see that's where the culture is going. So now the culture has gone that way. And then a, a lot of companies and businesses and groups are seeing that's where the culture is going. So they're going that way. So it definitely feels like an agenda. Um, and 
spiritually speaking, I would say in a lot of ways it is. Mm -hmm. There is an agenda to normalize things that the Bible would say are abnormal, you know, or immoral, which we'll get into that. Um, but yeah, I think that's, it's no longer a subset of culture. Mm -hmm. It is the mainstream. So what we want to talk about today is just as we talk through abortion in the last podcast, mm -hmm. uh, where is the church's stance and what does the Bible say? And how do we as believers walk through a world today that is different than it was before? Yeah. I think the biggest place to start, like if we had somebody here, uh, I was just watching an interview with Tim Keller, who's one of our heroes, and a guy asked him like a point blank question. And this is kind of where the world starts. And the question is always like, well, are homosexual people going to hell? Mm -hmm. You know, is homosexuality a sin? Mm -hmm. um, and if, and, and that's the starting place. And so um, the reason why I bring that up is I don't think it's helpful to start there. Right. Um, because it's framed in such a way that makes it feel like, and I was watching this with Tim Keller just the other day. And he said, well, I can tell you this. It doesn't mean that all heterosexuals are going to heaven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, yeah. because we're starting from a place of sexuality. Sure. Like we're talking about sexuality as, as if, and this is what I would say is the biggest issue in culture. We have placed sexuality at the center, like uh, as an identity question, mm -hmm. uh, our sexuality frames our identity right. to where the real issue. And, and then we talk about orientation, you know, um, which is where the, the word comes from, you know, homo, it means same. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we, you know, put the word sexual and so it's same sex or, so we're talking about an orientation. I'm orientated this way sexually, but to where I think it's helpful to back up, um, and say at the end of the day, the biggest problem culturally is not a sexuality one. It's a spiritual one. Mm -hmm. It is our orientation, not sexually. It's our orientation spiritually. Right. None of to, and to use the similar terms, which is quite ironic. None of us are straight, mm -hmm. uh, and we use that term today talking about sexuality. If you're straight, that right. means you like the opposite mm -hmm. sex. If you're not, you don't. And I think it's important to start there because I think there's been a lot of damage done sure. when we just start with sexuality and then single people out as if people that are same sex attracted are somehow worse or different than the quote unquote normal person. Um, to where what the Bible says um, to your original, well, that was your original question, right? What does the Bible talk about this? Yeah, yeah. What, what do we, what's our stance yeah. as a church? What does the Bible say and yeah. how do we respond to it as yeah. believers? Where the Bible would say, and, I, and the reason why I'm starting here is because I think it's, again, important to start here. The Bible would say is all of us have a, the wrong orientation spiritually. And that's what he meant by we're not, none of us are straight. Yeah, none of us are straight. Um, and, and where I'm coming from that phrase versus crooked versus crooked, we are crooked. And, and you mentioned that in John chapter 12. Yes. And that's where in Luther, Martin Luther, who said this the best, the Latin Latin phrase homo incurvitus say in say, which is we are curved in on ourself. Mm -hmm. And so the problem with the human heart is, and this is true of all humans is we are all curved and that's what I meant by straight. Yeah, none of us, none of us are in line with God. None of us are right. None of us 
All of us are bent. All of us are crooked. All of us start from a place when it comes to our life with God. We all start from a place of crookedness. And, and the reason why I think it's important to start there is because I think as Christians, a lot of times we can be very hypocritical and judgmental towards people who would believe differently than us sexually. And we, we have the idea that they're not straight, but we are. And that's where it's not helpful to say, to define terms strictly by sexuality. Mm-hmm. That's the problem is we have to start back and say, no, the problem is not sexual as much as it is spiritual. We have a spiritual problem. Um, all of us have a sinful orientation. Yes. No doubt. Uh, and that's just the truth. I mean, that's the essence of the gospel. Um, so since that's the case, since all of us have that, then I would say that shows up in our sexuality. It shows up. So we're all fundamentally broken. None of us are are in line with God. We're all curved in on ourselves. That's what Romans 1 says, which is one of the you know, the great Bible text dealing with this issue. But what I'm saying is Romans, show, it, it talks about there's the the problem and then the symptom. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the cause and the, the problem is we traded God. We traded God as the center, put ourselves as the center. That's the problem. And that's what I'm saying. We're all bent. None of us are in line with God. Then that shows up in our sexuality. Um, but it's very... Um, again, it can, it can come off very hypocritical, uh, to the world as Christians when we only point out other people's brokenness and not our own. Right. But that's, that's what we do. That's what we do. Yeah. And again, I think that's where it's important to back up as Christians and say, I mean, everybody is sexually broken in some way. Mm -hmm. I mean, because we're spiritually broken. And so my spiritual brokenness shows up in my sexual brokenness. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever counseled or talked to somebody that didn't have some type of baggage in their life due right. to their choices regarding sexuality. Um, because it is, it's just a fundamental way that we express ourselves because, you know, there's a difference between sex and intimacy, mm-hmm. um, which is a helpful frame. And we can talk about that later. Um, Sex is a means to an end. It's and the end is intimacy. The end is relationship. Um, and God made us for relationship. And so all of us fundamentally want to be in relationships. And then we use sexuality, which is, I mean, God created, just like we talked about last week, the primary purpose of sex was procreation. God brought wasn't pleasure, it's procreation. Um, so that's why man and woman fit together, biologically speaking. So that was the purpose. Um, and sex becomes a means to an end for not only procreation, but intimacy with another person. The two become one. So since that's the case, we're all searching for intimacy is my point. But we think sexu- sex and sexuality will get us there. But it won't uh, in and of itself. So sexuality, when we devoid it of our spiritual brokenness and we, when we separate it out from God's good design for us, then it becomes a, the end. Mm-hmm. And, and then it becomes my identity. And that's the biggest problem um, with the current thought in the world is people define themselves as their core identity by their sexuality, not 
I do this, but I am this. Mm-hmm. And that's where, and, and I'm going to answer your question, that's where it becomes sin, is um, it's a matter of identity. You know, when we come to Christ, we die to ourself, we live in Christ, and now Christ is the center of my identity. He is the one that informs every other area of my life, including my sexuality. So it's one thing for someone to be a Christian who's struggling with their sexuality. It's a whole different thing to say, no, I am this sexually, and then that informs my Christianity. Mm-hmm. That is sin. Right. Um, because that's idolatry. Um, and that's what makes this one particularly hard to see because at, at the end of the day, someone is going to, someone or something is going to be at the core of who I am, mm-hmm. my identity. And if my identity is not Christ, but it is my sexuality, and then I try to fit Christ into that, then I have traded something else at the center. And we can't fit Jesus into our life. He is our life. Um, and I think that is the problem that we are seeing culturally is it is we're really seeing an identity swap, an identity confusion. And that's what I'm so we're really seeing the outworkings of a spiritual orientation right. problem working itself out sexually. So it, ta- it takes a, a, a much bigger thought process to get to what you just explained. Yeah. As opposed to a, a very thin look at mm-hmm. something, and, and I can compare a, a very thin look as, all right, somebody posts something on social media, you have an opinion of that person, that's the identity you've placed on that person. Mm-hmm. A thick look at somebody would be, hey, I'm building a relationship with them, and I'm going to go deeper with them, and I'm going to find out who they are so I don't identify them just by the what they posted on the Facebook. Mm-hmm. So. So what you're what you're saying is we have to have a much bigger thought process to uh, LGBTQ mm-hmm. to where the Bible said what, what the Bible says about it what we what our response is to it mm-hmm. rather than just putting a label on it and saying hey that's in yeah exactly and and I'm not saying that the Bible is I'm not saying it's not sin because the Bible correct. The Bible, here's what the Bible says. And, you know, you hear this argument a lot. People are like, well, Jesus never talked about it. Mm -hmm. Jesus never talked about same-sex marriage or homosexuality, so why do you care? Well, here's what Jesus did talk about. Jesus affirmed the Genesis 1 model, that God created male and female, Mm -hmm. and he told them to multiply. A father leaves his mother's joined together with his wife. So he affirms that. Mm -hmm. And then he says the word sexual immorality. Which, interestingly enough, that word there is the Greek word porneia. It's where we get our English word pornography. So what the Bible says about human sexuality is any sex outside of a marriage relationship between a man and a woman is sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. So that includes same-sex relationships. That also includes heterosexual relationships that are not in marriage. That also includes um, pornography. I mean, it's a, the, I've heard one theologian say the word sexual morality or pornea is like a junk drawer term. Mm -hmm. Um, 
in the Greek in the like you, there's a lot of things that go into that sure. that drawer. Yep. So definitely biblically speaking again and this is why it's important to back up like I said it's a core question of identity. Who gets to speak into my sexuality? Does God get to define my sexuality? Mm-hmm. Um because if I'm a Christian then God gets to define everything in my life. That's right. God gets to set say and set what is true and what I obey in my life. So he's the center Mm -hmm. and God is the one who created marriage. God is the one who created humans. So marriage by definition is not something that the state defines. And that's one interesting thing about this whole thing is the state, the state has never defined marriage. It just accepted what is true or what was acceptable as true, what the Bible defines as marriage, the state just acknowledged it. And the reason why the state acknowledged it and the reason why we want the state to acknowledge marriage is because there's consequences to marriage, Yeah, i.e. children. <laughs> like the state doesn't recognize a friendship between two people. Like this is an official thing. We need to put it on the books. Why? Because a friendship between two people doesn't result in a child. But the state recognized marriage because a man and a woman come together, coming together can procreate, like God says, and therefore has an offspring. Well, the state has an interest in recognizing that because if not, then those two people can come together and have a baby and say, I don't want the baby and just throw it on the side of the road. Mm. And none of us want to live in a world where the state doesn't say, no, that's wrong. There's consequences. You can't do that. And if you... If you don't take care of your child, we'll take your child away from you. So that's why the state recognizes marriage. But again, the reason why the the state recognized it in that, or the how they recognize it was the biblical definition, because God is the one who defines marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and every culture throughout human history um, had a that definition. Mm-hmm. Like there was always... Um, there was always offshoots of that, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But the, the standard um, yeah. has been that. And, and here's, here's an interesting aspect of that, and you may be listening right now. Okay, well, that's, that's good. That's, that's where the church stands, and yes, God does get to speak into our sexuality. Yeah. But God gets to speak into, as you said, every aspect of our lives. Every aspect. How we love our neighbors, how we love our enemies, how generous we are, mm-hmm. and I, I'm I'm convicted here, and and I just want to ask this question: Hey, think about something that you're not letting God speak into your life about. Yeah, that He says about, and that's why I was trying to say. That's why I wanted to start where we started earlier, mm-hmm. because again, I think as Christians, you know, we'll we'll try to stand up as as cultural warriors, as it's been said, um, and say this is marriage. But yet we can't recognize the greed in ourself. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. uh, Tim Keller said this, you know, in his 30 plus years of pastoring, he never had anybody walk into his life, into his office as a pastor and say, pastor, I need to confess my greed mm. because you can't see it. Right. You know, it is so hard mm. to see, but there's other things that we can see and we can definitely point it out in others. And, and that's why, again, we're all bent. We all have brokenness that's going to show up in our life. It may not show up in our sexuality like it does for some people, which we can talk about same-sex attraction because I think that's important, but it shows up in my life in, when it ter- comes to money or it comes to pride or it comes to even lust mm-hmm. or whatever. 
Um, and so all of us fundamentally have that. And so that is the point of Romans one. We've all traded out, you know, the God and put the creation, mm-hmm. which is ourself. Um, so yeah, all of us have to start with that because again, the, the, this is why Jesus railed so much against the Pharisees because at the root of their sin was self-righteousness. Well, how many Christians need to repent of their own self-righteousness because they've pointed out the sexual brokenness in others, but wrongly thought since mm. they weren't like those person, those people, yep. then they are good. Well, that's self-righteous. Right. right. You're listening to the uh, grow people podcast, uh, another commercial free episode. Um, <laughs> they're, they're all commercial. It, it did sound like you were going to say brought to you by. Yeah. Uh, when, when we get a million downloads, there's going to be some commercials. Yeah. Uh, no, there won't. Uh, so uh, that was a great foundational outlook mm-hmm. on LGBTQ and what the Bible says. Uh, but let's get into some practical things because these are questions that our people here at Revolution ask on a regular basis yeah. in pastoral care sessions. Uh, conversations in the hallway. Hey, I got invited to this wedding. What do I do? There's all kinds of things, but you brought up same-sex attraction. Mm -hmm. So let's start there because somebody may be listening with a family member who is same-sex attracted uh, or same-sex attracted themselves. Yeah. And I think this is important, and I've said this a few times in different messages, but the church, and I'm not just speaking Revolution Church, I'm speaking broader, um, didn't wasn't doing a good job for a while understanding the difference. And I, I didn't even really understand this as, as a younger pastor that, um, you know, we can't, we don't choose our struggles. You know, we are born into this world broken. Again, that's what I was saying. We're all bent. None of us are straight. Uh, and orthodoxy, you know, we've said ortho is straight. Doxy is, is doctrine. So it's straight doctrine. None of us were born with, with that. We all had to be saved and, and recreated, reborn into a new person. And so all of us have brokenness, and that brokenness is going to express itself. Um, and a lot of it expresses itself sexuality in, it, in our sexuality because we are relational people that are looking for intimacy. Yep. Um, and we use sex as a means to do that. So my point in saying that is, it's okay if someone is sex, same sex attracted. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can affirm that we can affirm you really feel that. Yes. Um, and, and the fact that you feel that um, we recognize is not necessarily probably something you didn't choose. Um, there may be a part of you that was maybe life experiences or, or just how you're wired or whatever, where, again, your own sinfulness, your own brokenness is expressing itself in this way. Mm -hmm. Um, So to be a same-sex attracted person uh, in and of itself um, is not sin in the sense of um, just because, um, like Jesus says, you know, um, like in your anger, do not sin. Just because I may have anger, I haven't sinned yet, you know, and in the same way, I, I may lust or I may want something that is wrong. It's when I think on it, dwell on Because Jesus did say, if you think it in your heart, you know. So if someone is same-sex attracted, it's no different than someone who is 
different sex attracted, uh, uh, attracted to the opposite sex, but has to resist that, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think this is a very important point is because the kind of the prevailing thought is in modern world is like, well, that's cruel. It's cruel to tell someone who's same sex attracted that they must deny themselves, that they must deny their chance at intimacy. And that's where we have to be clear. No, we're not saying you have to deny intimacy. What we are saying is you do have to deny your sexuality though, Mm. but all of us have to do that. Sure. And that's That's where this gets framed incorrectly. Mm -hmm. We talked about this a few weeks ago in the message when Jesus said, you know, whoever loves his life will lose it. Uh, But whoever loses or hates his life for, you know, for my sake will, will gain it. And and it's a whole idea of self-denial. And I made the point, being a seed is about self-denial. Jesus radically calls all of us to self-denial. Mm-hmm. All of us. So the call on a same-sex attracted person to self-denial is the same call on any person with any issue. All of us are called to self-denial. So to single out someone who is same-sex attracted to say somehow the Bible has a call on their life, that it doesn't have a call on someone else's is, is a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. We are all called to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow him. And one of the greatest, I think, people alive today who's talking about this, a really good, strong believer named Sam Albury. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he is, he's from the UK, he is a same-sex attracted male um, who has written quite a few books now. And I mean, you just Google him and find out about it. He's the one who really helped me understand this because he is, he's a believer, he's a teacher. Um, and, but yet he is same sex attracted and he's the one who really helps paint this in a, just a really amazing biblical approach to say, oh, it's no different. Like the call of God on his life is no different than the call of God on our life. We're all called to radical self-denial. And I think it's important. This is why I was saying earlier the failure with the world is to say, but yeah, you're, you're telling that person to deny not themselves in action, but deny themselves as a person. And that's where we've taken a more worldly approach to this is because again, my sexual orientation is not my identity. And the reason why that's so important is because Jesus said in heaven, we will not be in marriage. We will not be given to marriage. We'll be like the angels which means in heaven we will not be sexual beings. That's correct, yes. Because again, the purpose of sex is procreation. Well, once we're in the new heaven and the new earth, there's no point anymore. So imagine this, and this is hard for a secular mind to imagine. In heaven, we will have complete intimacy, but no sex. Mind blown. Yeah. Well, we can, but heaven is breaking into earth now, and so we can have that, now, not fully. And so therefore, if your sexuality is your personhood, then what you're saying is who you are as a person, your sexual identity or orientation is your identity. Well, that won't last in eternity. And that's the failure uh, of our modern mind to differentiate the two between my identity and my sexuality. Um, and so we are not asking someone to a deny their identity because their identity is in Christ, mm-hmm. but we are asking someone to deny their sexuality because their sexuality 
is not their identity. Um, it is how they express themselves relationally, romantically. Um, but again, that's outside of what God says is good for human flourishing. So uh, that's that's pretty clear, but the worldview would say that's intolerant. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, the worldview would say um, just love people. Um, we know what God says about loving people. He's pretty clear about that. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to ask the question, what does that even look like? Mm-hmm. Because this whole... Uh, this whole mantra of the intolerance of Christians can be flipped around. Yeah. That uh, people are intolerant of Christians simply because Christians are speaking the truth about God's word. Yeah. It's funny because the, the word intolerance has been hijacked because the people who preach tolerance are the most intolerant people. Mm -hmm. A lot of times tolerance by definition is I don't have to agree with you to assign you dignity, value, and worth. Correct. We can agree to disagree on mm-hmm. something, but I still love you as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the world will says, well, that's intolerant. Well, we could say right back, well, you're being intolerant. <laughs> I have said that. Yes, because intolerance is not you must believe like me, mm-hmm. or tolerance is not you must believe like me. Tolerance by definition means I'm tolerating you. Yes. And the best way to think about this, and you're talking about love, and we were talking about this a second ago, unequivocally, yes, the Bible calls us to love our neighbor. I mean, Jesus radically, you know, when they say, what's the greatest commandment? He's, he gave him two, love God and love people. He said, and the second one is, is on the level of the first. So by definition, being a Christian, being a gospel centered person is um, I, I, I'm taking myself out of the center. I'm putting Christ there. And also I am loving my neighbor as myself. I am loving my neighbor, but loving someone doesn't mean lying to them. Mm, that's good. Write that down folks. Yes. Lo- loving someone does not mean lying to them. No. And again, this kind of goes back to the whole Christian Christendom culture that we we're talking mm-hmm. about before. And it's funny because we get this when it comes to like if my neighbor, let's just say my my neighbor is a Muslim who lives next to me. Well, I am called to be the most loving person that that Muslim has ever has ever experienced because you're his literal neighbor. Because I'm his literal neighbor. Yes, I am called to love him. But again, loving doesn't mean I lie to him. Um, in the sense of like, in order to love him, I don't have to agree in his theology or her theology. Um, because there's clear differences between Muslims and Christians. Um, they are both monotheistic religions, but completely different. Like Muslims don't believe in a Trinity. It's just one God. Jesus wasn't the son of God. He was a prophet. There is clear differences. They have a different book, you know, Mm -hmm. everything. But we get that as Christians. Like I don't have to agree that what he or she thinks is true. I don't have to agree that that's true in order for me to love them. So how does this how does this play out in in real life? Mm-hmm. So we all have somebody in our life that is same sex attracted or living in a homosexual lifestyle. Um, I have a, a friend uh, in New York, and uh, he asked me one time. He goes, "Do you do you think this is wrong? Do you think this is sin?" I said, "Yeah, but I love you." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there, told him the truth, 
and still loved him because here's where I, I wrestle with. I, I want to be the guy that five, 10 years from now, when he starts to wrestle with this, yeah, that he feels safe with. Yeah. So I don't, I, I don't know if that's the, the, the way to approach it. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And, and I think, I think what Christians struggle with is again, it's the whole of what they're affirming, mm-hmm. you know, this is what we were talking about earlier. I can affirm someone who has same sex attractions. Hey, I understand. Like that's a real thing. That's not fake. You feel mm-hmm. that I can yeah. affirm your feelings, yep. but I do not have to condone them. Right. And that's the difference. You know, Jesus with the woman who was caught in adultery, he didn't condemn her. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, Is there anyone here to condemn you? She says, no. And he mm-hmm. says, neither do I. Mm-hmm. But then he says, go and sin no more. So yes, our neighbors, whoever our neighbors are, whether they're Muslims or whether they're uh, in a same-sex relationship, whether they're transgender, whatever it is, we do not, we are not called to take a posture towards them of condemnation. That's right. We are not called to condemn them. Mm-hmm. We are called to love them. But again, but love them doesn't mean I have to affirm their decisions. And I think that's where we have to be really clear as Christians because the prevailing thought is, well, no, we have to affirm their lifestyle, affirm their choices. Mm-hmm. No, I don't have to, in order to love them, I don't have to lie. I don't have to believe a lie. And that's where the culture, which we talk a lot about, you know, the phrase, my truth, your truth. Mm-hmm. No, no, there's only the truth. And Jesus is, is the truth. John 14, six, it's a, not just a principle, it's a person. So Jesus defines what is true. So again, Jesus defines marriage. Jesus defines sexuality. He defines everything that is true. But my neighbor, more often than not, is not going to believe that uh, as true. Well, I don't have to condemn them for not believing that's true, but I have to love them and be, again, if we were a Christian in a foreign country, we wouldn't just go around tweeting about how everybody, how we're condemning everybody Mm -hmm. or holding up signs saying everybody's going to hell. Right. Because we wouldn't, we would know we're not the mainstream culture. We're not the mainstream belief system. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm going to pack up and move to Egypt, it's dominated by Muslims. So I'm not going to go around condemning all the Muslims, you know, mm-hmm. because Christianity is not the major cultural stream. Well, in our current American culture, Christianity is not the current ma- major mm-hmm. cultural stream anymore. So we have to change our tactic of our thinking. We're trying to preserve culture and we are called to be salt. And so there is a preservative element to that, no doubt. But, but I I cringe a little though, when people say, but we're just called to love them. But what do you mean by that? Yes. What do you mean by love them? Because it is a, it's a definition that you really have to explore. Um, Simply because what you just said about using, um, Christianity is almost a hammer, mm-hmm. uh, which is offensive. Yeah. Yes, the gospel is offensive, so yeah. we, we know that. But Christians can turn off the person that they're called to love simply by using Christianity as the hammer. Yeah, and 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 just telling them that what they're doing is wrong. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So so my friend in New York, we had lengthy conversations, and when it finally came down to it, and I used the words. I can affirm this is how you feel. Yeah, I, I, and and I understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
to approve, if you're asking me to approve, I can't. No. But I am here for you. Absolutely. Uh, and that's a, a good way. We can affirm feelings without approving mm-hmm. actions. And, and, and you can actually do that when you have relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that back in the old uh, radio days. Back uh, in the old days. Back in the old days, you know, 2018. Um, <laughs> um, that was definitely old days yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Leanne and I were were hosting a morning show, and it was when Chick-fil-A was getting a lot of heat Yeah, uh, because Dan Cathy had come out and said, hey, this is what we believe marriage is. Exactly. Okay, so that day there was this unofficial uh, push for – Christians to go out and support Chick-fil-A. Yeah. And and people were going out and going to Chick-fil-A, which is fine, buying their number one, taking a picture and putting it on their Facebook and saying, I support Chick-fil-A. Yeah. And I went on I went on the radio the next morning. I said, Christian, stop it. Yeah. And I got some heat from that. Mm-hmm. I said, stop it. Because if you have anybody who is a friend of yours on Facebook that you are a witness to mm-hmm. who does not believe what you believe, mm-hmm. you have lost your influence Absolutely. with them. And, and that's that's what we're getting at. Uh, there has to be a relational component to this in order to be able to say, I affirm, but I don't approve. Yeah, and that's why I was talking so much about the cultural element, because again, if those same Christians lived in the Middle East and something like that happened, they wouldn't do that mm-hmm. because they would understand it was hurting their missionary movement. Yes. It was hurting their mission of telling people about Jesus. But we in our culture have misunderstood what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to make the culture Christian in that sense. We are trying to make Christians. We're trying to lead people to Christ. Mm-hmm. And if we lead people to Christ, then yes, the culture can become more Christian. Right. But that's a result. That's a, an effect of a, a culture that is becoming more people becoming like Christ than the culture is becoming more Christian. But we're just reacting to the culture becoming less Christian and forgetting our main purpose of trying to make people Christians. Mm, That's good. And so by trying to preserve a Christian culture, we're actually losing our influence to make Christians, Yes, which works against what we're trying to do. Yes, we got one message that we are to be eager, unashamed, and under obligation to present. Yeah, Romans 1. And that that is the good news, and for it to be news, it's got to be delivered. Yeah. Uh, not by not by what you think about how somebody is living. Yeah. So let's get into some more of the practical questions. Uh, we get these. Uh, I got invited to a same-sex wedding. Yeah. What do I do? There, there's a school of thought. Well, if I go, I continue to preserve that relationship, and maybe down the road they'll come to me and ask me questions. If I don't go, I'm breaking that relationship, but I am standing my ground and staying in integrity. It It's a wrestle. It is, and this is one of those things that I, I don't want to be definitive on. And, and what I mean by that is I'll tell you my opinion, mm-hmm. but people will disagree with me, and that's okay. And, and I wouldn't – if they disagree with me, I wouldn't say they're not Christians mm-hmm. because um, – if their heart is to remain relationally connected to someone. So how I have counseled people in that situation is my counsel to them is to say to that person, I love you. Um, and I am here for you, but I will not be attending your wedding because that is me approving. Mm. Um, and I've heard this 
uh, I've had conversations with other pastors that are like, well, you would go to a non-Christian wedding. You know, you would go to a wedding of, uh, you know, two unbelievers. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes, I would if it was a man and woman, because that's marriage still. It's just not a Christian marriage. Mm. But when it's a same-sex couple, it's not marriage from a biblical definition. Right. And that's the difference. Um, and so therefore I am approving of something that is no longer the truth. And again, this is the hard part is we are in the battle for two things. We are in the battle for truth and people's hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes in the battle we got, we have to stand up for truth because we believe that the truth is what changes people's hearts. But sometimes in an effort to win people's hearts, we don't stand up for the truth. Mm. And that's where this is, is tough. And I guess why I said, this is my opinion. People can disagree with me. But my response to that question is I'm going to stand up for the truth because that's the best to change their heart. So I'm standing up for it because I think that's what's best for that person, mm-hmm. my family member or friend who's engaging in something that's not true because the culture doesn't get to define what's true. Um, and so therefore that's why I would say, no, I would not attend a wedding because it is approving of something that is not true. You've said something to me uh, a couple of times over the years. If we don't stand for something, we stand for nothing. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a statement that, that we make when we do stand for something. It is, and I think that's the the point I'm trying to make. And that's again, that's where we do have to understand mm-hmm. the broader cultural implications. Like we started out this about an agenda. There is definitely an agenda from um, other spiritual powers, not of God, that are trying to redefine truth. And I've been reading an article about creating pseudo realities, you know, and the manipulation tactic to create pseudo realities for people. And that's what I'm saying is reality is marriages between a man and a woman. And so therefore, if I approve of something that's a pseudo reality, mm-hmm. it's not true. Right. Then I am approving something that the culture is saying, well, this is what's true. And we're saying, no, that's not mm-hmm. true. Um, and that's where we have to be as Christians. We do have to have this deep conviction that, what is best for someone is the truth, mm-hmm. which is why I said earlier, loving someone is not lying to them. Because if I love you and you're, you know, you're an alcoholic or whatever, I'm, I'm not, go- I'm going to affirm your feelings, but I'm not going to approve of your actions because that's not what's best for you. Mm-hmm. What's best for you is not lying to you and about that. And, and and it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> it, it's hard because. You know, there's there's the thought, well, you know, if I don't do this, if I don't go to this wedding, my son, my daughter, whatever, mm-hmm. is is going to remember that for the rest of their lives. And that's why what you just said was so important. You have to have that that conviction that the truth is more important than how they feel about you. Yeah. And and that's that's what I've you know, just in witnessing yeah. uh, to my own family. I'm like, I care more about your soul than what you think about me. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and I think that's where we have to land. 
which is why I land there on that particular question. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, you're right. Is and I mean, I've dealt with this in my own family, and I have family members that they know that I disagree about their actions, but they also know I love them, mm-hmm. and yep. I still see them, and we talk, and we, you know, um, but I don't have to approve. And again, and that's the that's the problem with the mass psychology that we're having. Yeah, this is going to be a long episode. <laughs> In this moment, it's like, well, if you don't approve of my actions, then you don't love me. Okay, well, let's take that that thought to its logical yeah. consequence. Oh, this is good. Yeah, yeah. So, is it okay for me to have a relationship with a minor? Is it okay for a seventy, sixty year old man to have a relationship with a twelve year old? Watch what age you put in. Exactly. There. <laughs> what a forty three year old man to have a relationship with a ten year old? Well, no. Well, why? That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and if you don't affirm how I feel, then you're doing violence to me. Mm-hmm. So, well, we all have a line. Mm-hmm. And the, the problem with the culture that we have now is we have so disconnected ourselves from the truth that now the logical consequence of that is, well, if I feel it, it must be true. Mm-hmm. And what we're saying is, no, you don't have to believe everything you think and you don't have to live everything you feel. Because if you disconnect yourself from some reality then you are now creating pseudo realities and you're asking us to live in your pseudo reality. I I mean, whether it is same sex attraction, whether it's transgender, whether it is people, there's, you know, a whole movement now of furries of people thinking that they are an animal. Um, The logical outworking of that thought is like, well, all of that's on the table now. Yeah. And, and if you're, if you're listening and you think that's a joke, no, it's not a joke. No, it's for real. Yeah. Yeah, people go to conventions. Though you you could be at a hotel just with your family, minding your own business, and somebody walks in as a squirrel. Yeah, not a squirrel suit. They're not a, a team mascot for a minor league baseball team. Yeah, they think they're a squirrel. They think they're a squirrel. Which, interestingly enough, you know, because we've talked and we could talk a whole lot. We haven't even really gotten into transgender, mm-hmm. but people are trying to separate out sex and gender. Mm-hmm. You know, biological sex versus gender and the thought that gender is a social construct, um, which is a very new thought. And it's, I don't want to, people claim it's science. Um, but biblically speaking, sex and gender are the same thing. And God created two, male and female. He created them. There is a male gender sex. There is a female gender sex. And that is determined a lot of things by our bi- biology, our our DNA, our ability to reproduce, all those things. Well, if we detach that, then we're saying, well, we can switch gender or we can be a different thing, you know. But interestingly enough, it's like, but we don't do this with race. You know, we don't Mm. see people of one race saying I'm transracial. Mm. It's like, well, no, 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 because that's that's not a social construct, construct. That is who you are. You know, if you're black, you're black, you're white, you're white. Um, which ironically, a few years ago, there was a late, a white lady who had mm-hmm. presented herself as a black lady and she was a leader, I think of a local NAACP chapter and it came out and she was found out. But yet I'm like, well, hold on. If you can change genders and why you can't you change races? Mm-hmm. If that's how I feel, if that's how she felt, oh no, that's unacceptable. Why? Because we we took it out of the realm of truth and now we're creating pseudo realities 
So yeah. why can't I create my pseudo reality? I want you to call me by a certain pronoun. You, you brought this up in a sermon two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I was speaking to a first-time guest, and they said, hey, it's not that we didn't think y'all landed on this, but it was so refreshing to to hear in the context of the text that uh, this is where we would land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what was very interesting about that text in John 12 when Jesus says, whoever loses Whoever loves his life will lose it. And that I said that word life is the Greek word psyche, which is talking about your mind. And it said is expressed a lot of times as personal pronouns. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was like, oh, that's kind of crazy. That's a very modern, like the Bible's so relevant, you know. So my mindsets a lot of times are expressed through my personal pronouns. And yet we live in a culture now where we have to declare our personal pronouns, which again, to that question, for a Christian, I would say, do not participate in the the environment that says you must declare your personal pronouns. Um, because, and again, people would disagree with me on that. Say, well, I'm trying to reach people, and so therefore I'm going to say mine or he and him, um, you know, because I'm that's how I identify. But if I put my pronouns in, then I'm participating in the game. Mm-hmm. I'm approving of the idea that my pronouns could be anything other than what they naturally are right. as set by God. That's a good point. Um, and so that's where I would counsel people. Don't do that. Don't put your pronouns in your social media bio because you are now starting from a premise of the world mm-hmm. um, instead of starting from the premise of the Lord and then trying to um, influence the culture. Um, because I don't have to express Again, even I am a a male, but my maleness isn't my identity. My Christianness is. Mm -hmm. I am a Christian male. So my Christianness informs my maleness, Mm -hmm. not my maleness informing my Christianness. Um, So the only thing I really need in my bio is I'm a follower of Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's who I am. Yes. Um, Now, I have a gender. I have a sexuality, but that fundamentally is not who I am. You yeah. know? No, I think it's a great way to clarify uh, how we should respond to pronouns mm-hmm. as, as believers, mm-hmm. not to, not to even affirm that there is a possibility that there is a difference. Yeah. It, this shows up like theologically, which we, we said we're going to do a podcast on end times. We haven't even gotten into it. We will at some point, but there's a certain group of end times people that believe a certain way. Mm-hmm. And if you believe differently than them, then they have a, a term for you. You're like, Oh, you believe this. And I get that question a mm-hmm. lot. And I say, no, what? And I was like, cause I don't believe your premise that the response is based on. Right. So I'm not the opposite of what you think. Cause I don't even believe in what you think. So in the same kind of way is like, I don't have to say, I don't have to let them define the categories and then tell you what I am. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is I'm not even playing by your categories. I'm playing a different game. Right. And we probably haven't gotten to half of what we were going to talk about. Um, So we can either do a part two at at some point. Uh, We can go on for another hour. (laughs) It's up to you. You know me. I like talking. Uh, What what haven't we covered? I I know one thing we haven't covered, and I'm going to make this really clear, and I've I've given people counsel to this where – Maybe they have a a son or a daughter mm-hmm. who is in a same sex relationship, mm-hmm. and they they want to bring them to church. And the question is, will they feel safe here? Yeah, 
And I said, no, they'll feel loved here. Yeah. And I said, but if I were you, I would put them into a place where they're going to hear the truth yeah. in a loving way. Yeah. So uh, we preach through the texts of the Bible, mm -hmm. through verses of the Bible, as I say, verse by verse. <laughs> and verse by verse. And if I can't say it like you do. So. <laughs> if you were here at the beginning of the Romans series, and we got to Romans 1, 24 through 36, uh, Pastor Jason preached that text. So if if that person that asked me the question wants to place their children in, a, in, a, in an environment where they are going to feel loved, but they're going to get the truth, yes, absolutely bring them. Of course, yeah. I mean, obviously the church, by definition, is open to everyone. Yes. You know, the only time we ever restrict anything, and not just in the area of sexuality, is when... People want to take a step in leadership here. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where we restrict things. And that's by definition, you know. Um, so you can be a part of our church, uh, attend, um, participate in in a lot of the life of the church and, and not believe the way that we believe. Mm -hmm. um, but once you are ready to take a step towards Christ, which again, this is what I think is important to frame it this way. Like I said at the very beginning, that's what God asks all of us to do. Not just same-sex attracted people, not just people that feel like they were born in the wrong body. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, they're struggling with gender dysphoria, whatever. God calls all of us to do that. Um, you know, it's like when Peter was was said to Jesus, "Jesus, we've left everything and followed you." Um, and then Jesus says, I know, and you will be rewarded for that. What we're saying is we're all called to leave everything. When Peter said we've left everything, included in that everything is your sexuality. Mm. And that's the call for all of us. And so the call for people that are struggling with sexual, what the Bible would call sexual immorality is not any different. Um, and that's the problem a lot of times with Christians is we have not framed discipleship that way for everyone. Mm -hmm. And that would be the last thing I was going to say is that Jesus calls all of us to deny ourselves, to leave everything yep. and follow him. There is not a scenario where we can say, well, I want Jesus as a part of my life. And he can tell me this over here, but he can't tell me this over here. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. He is, I'm actually going to talk more, or we talked more about this the last two weeks. That is the message. He is worth you leaving everything over. And I think the biggest lie that the world tells people, and then we as Christians can accidentally affirm this when we do affirm actions with people, is when people think, well, if I just give in to these sexual cravings, I will be happy. Mm. And that's the lie. In the same way, you know, a heterosexual person who wants to go outside of their marriage relationship and have sex with more than one person, which pretty much everyone struggles with that, especially in their younger years. Mm -hmm. um, the lie is if I have many sexual partners, I will be happy. I mean, that's Hugh Hefner theology. Right. And, and what we're experiencing now is the same thought worked itself out in different ways. Well, if I give in to my same-sex attraction, I will be happy. If I give in to this feeling that I need to cross genders, I will be happy. Mm -hmm. That's the lie. Is, no, you won't. Mm -hmm. You won't be happy. That's right. 
You will only be happy when your life is hidden in Christ and you leave everything for him. Um, and the call for every one of us is to leave everything um, because that is where happiness is found. I chased after everything for decades, mm -hmm. thinking it was going to make me happy. Mm -hmm. It was the next fix. Yeah. And it turns out it didn't. Yeah. And it's only Christ. It's yeah. only Jesus. And um, that's where I would encourage parents, particularly because we hear this a lot. Well, I just want my kid to be happy. Okay. I do too. I got two kids. I want my kids to be happy. But what's going to make my kids happy is not sexuality, mm. no matter how it comes out, whether it's same sex, whatever it is, what's going to make my kid happy is for them living for the purpose that they were made for, which was Christ mm. to pursue him, love him, enjoy him. And so when people, when parents say, I just want to make my kids happy, so I'm going to affirm their behaviors, then you're lying to them. Because you're lying, you're sending an unintentional message that says, if you give into this, then you'll be happy. Mm -hmm. And you won't. Right. Um, you know, I, I think it's a great place to, to end this podcast. Um, unless there was anything else. I don't have your hair or your mind, so I can't read it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, one last thing. Um, I said, one, one more thing. One more thing. Which goes to what I was just saying. Um, but I want to, and I did this last year in John that realize all teaching is tied to someone. That's right. So again, going back to this thought oh, of good. like, um, well, if, if they give into this, they'll be happy. Well, who told you that? And that's what we all have to ask ourselves. You know, that's what God asked Adam and Eve when he walked in and they had sinned. He said, who told you that? We have an entire generation and we, every generation, we have to ask ourselves this question, who told us that? Where did this teaching come from? Because all teaching is tied to someone. And the essence of the teaching of the world is not tied to the spirit of God. So if I believe that teaching, then I'm tying myself to that teacher, mm -hmm. which that's not Jesus. Um, and that's what we have to be so careful about, which is why I say loving people is not lying to them. Because if I lie to them, then I'm telling them, I'm teaching them something that's different, that's not tied to Jesus. Yeah. And, and think about how you, how you respond to someone. Because mm -hmm. you've got one shot at your first response. Mm -hmm. And that one shot could mean the difference between having a relationship and not. Mm -hmm. Or having the strange relationship uh, that takes years to, to reconnect. Uh, I do want to clarify one thing. Um, you were talking about uh, if somebody is in a same-sex relationship and wanted to grow in leadership here. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, that would be the ceiling. Mm -hmm. um, but if somebody was living together in a heterosexual relationship, we would also look at that as something that would prohibit them from leadership. Oh, of course. Okay. That, it, okay. Yes. yes. So, yes. so I just want to make sure that... Yes. No, I'm glad... Again, that goes back to the point I said earlier. Anything that the Bible says is sexual immorality mm -hmm. would disqualify anybody from leadership right. in the sense of saying sex outside of a marriage relationship mm -hmm. between a man and a woman mm -hmm. would yes. Um, and to become a leader that's, you have to affirm, you know, our statement of belief mm -hmm. and um, our expectations and yes. And I'm glad you said that because 
that is what we're saying is you are agreeing to the teaching of the Bible and the teaching of the Bible is sexual immorality is way bigger than just same sex. Yes, it is. Yeah. People that are not willing to get married or want to still have sex with their boyfriend or live together. No, they wouldn't. That would preclude them from being in leadership. And I, I asked that in, in like group leader interviews. Yeah. Are you guys, you know, um, married? Yeah. <laughs> Cause that'd be good. Yeah, exactly. It's important. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thank you. Thank you for, uh, just, uh, being willing to have the tough conversations, but the real conversations, the mm-hmm. truth conversations. Um, and we're not going to shy away from, uh, having these conversations here on the grow people podcast. Um, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, maybe you ingested it in one sitting. Uh, maybe it took you a, a few commutes to work, uh, cause this was <laughs> yeah. a little longer. Uh, but, uh, we're so grateful that you are listening, share this, uh, with your friends and tell them to listen to the grow people podcast. Uh, we'll probably go on a little bit of a hiatus as pastor Jason goes on his preaching break. Um, I think we're recording one more right are, before that. We are yeah, going to yeah. do that. Okay. Yeah. We're going to record one more and then there'll be a, a short hiatus. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I just want to thank our producer, our editor, our graphic designer, our statistician, uh, our cameraman, uh, it is Chandler Elder. He yeah. does all of those. And our photographer is Mason Bumgarner. And we are just so grateful. We end the we end the podcast in the same way as we always do. The best advice we've ever heard. Trust God and take a nap. Trust God, take a nap. We'll see you next time. <laughs>